these are not them. You've tuned in to their stunt doubles. That's right. This is a fake episode of Faking Star Wars Radio. Unfortunately, Storm Duper and Teeb are busy saving Princess Vespa and Planet Druidia from the evil Spaceballs. But the stunt doubles are here in the studio for Faking Star Wars Radio, the official podcast of FakingStarWars.net. Join us on Planet Spaceball as we discuss the greatest Star Wars comedy satire parody spoof movie of them all, Mel Brooks' Spaceballs. We also have the return of Duel of the Fakes, a fake-a-meter, a listener mail top ten, and a lot of other great stuff. Hey, Teeb, we're surrounded by assholes. Well, I mean, there's at least one that I know. I can think of at least one myself. What a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's going to be a great show. Uh, you know, talk about Spaceballs. We couldn't talk about that without bringing up merchandising, you know. Uh, and the merchandising is just coming out of our ears here from Faking Star Wars. Uh, if you haven't been to our T-shirt shop, you can visit it at bit.ly. That's bit.ly slash FSW merch. We have a sale going on. Um, and, boy, you can get some fantastic, hilarious designs there for dirt cheap. Go check it out. Merchandising, merchandising. Watto approves. T, before we get going here, let's uh, take it over to Mike Man Darth Eckham uh, from Channel Star Wars, who is going to bring us the real news in the galaxy. Real news? Do we even do that here? Hey, hey, hey! Greetings to all my spiky-headed brothers and sisters on Iridonia. This is your Galactic Times, brought to you by Zabraki Speeder Emporium, the luxury shops of Banal's Maze in Warrington, and ChannelStarWars.com. Star Wars news for Star Wars fans by Star Wars fans. More adorable than a pack of Hugglepuffs. I'm your host, Mike Mann. Inside Editions announced that we will be getting schooled in our Jedi history by Luke Skywalker himself in the upcoming book, The Secrets of the Jedi, authored by Mark Sumerak. That's right, Dan Brooks from StarWars.com reported on the piece and gave us an exclusive look at a few page layouts of absolutely beautiful illustrations and in-depth analysis on the Jedi Order. One thing to keep in mind, as mentioned by Brooks, is that this isn't the younger, somewhat naive farm boy. This is Jedi Master Luke Skywalker learning us a thing or two. The book comes with a pop-up holocron, a Jedi equipment handbook, and a few other items to make this book interactive and expansive. The full article and a video can be found at StarWars.com. The Secrets of the Jedi will be released November 19th. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Next, we go over to Marvel, who brought us rogues, romance, and rock monsters in Star Wars number 7. In this issue, we see Han and Leia being all Twitter-pated while trying to take down a crime syndicate. Chewie and 3PO fought a rock monster, and Luke finds another that is Force-sensitive. Is it a he or she? Is it an ally or foe? Do they want to go to Tashi Station and pick up some power converters with Warmy? To answer these questions and more, make sure you pick up your copy of Star Wars number 70 today. But I was going into Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. You can waste time with your friends when your chores are done. Now, come on, get to it. And lastly, let's talk about good old Annie, Darth Vader. Last month, Hasbro released a vintage-style Darth Vader prototype action figure at San Diego Comic-Con International 2019. All right, man. This fella features a different color for each appendage, torso, and helmet, and still features the vinyl cape. 
Well, this prototype has been spotted on the shelves at Target. That's right, the Darth Vader prototype action figure is available in stores now. Go get you one. Now. And get me one while you're there, too. Also, regarding the Dark Lord, next week, Marvel is releasing the Star Wars Target Vader number 2. In this comic, bounty hunters Dengar and Valance formulate a plan to capture Darth Vader, but instead the hunters become the hunted. If this issue is as great as number 1, it'll be a must-read. Star Wars Target Vader number 2 hits stands on August 14th. I find your lack of faith disturbing. That's all the time we have this week. Be sure to check us out on all of your social media platforms and give us a like and a follow. Stay tuned as we have a lot of awesome things in the works. For Channel Star Wars, I'm your host, Mike Mann, reminding you, you want to buy me that prototype Darth Vader action figure. I want to buy you the Darth Vader prototype action figure. You want to go to Target right now. I want to go to Target right now. Move along. Move along. And now... Back to the guys over at Faking Star Wars Radio. Well, thanks a lot, Darth Eckham uh, from Channel Star Wars. We always appreciate the real news rundown. And uh, so, Teeb, a lot of merchandising news in the galaxy uh, this time around. Yeah, I keep hearing that. Merchandising. Yeah, you can search for more money. Yeah, I I don't know about this uh, multicolored. Uh, Rainbow Darth Vader. Am I, I hadn't that seen right? it either. Yeah, I I just took a look at it online, and it is kind of. I mean, I have to say, the first thing that popped into my mind was it's like the gay pride Darth Vader. That's what it looks like. Um, it's a rainbow yeah. Darth Vader. There's not really much else to say. I don't know why it exists. Um, doesn't seem to have anything to do with Star Wars actually, except just uh, let's make a rainbow Darth Vader. Fair enough. Why not? So when he said prototype, I was wondering if it had something to do with when they were designing them back in the 70s, and ah. they do that sometimes with the prototype, where they'll have them be different colors because of the, I don't know, because of the the way that they're setting up the molds and stuff like that. Oh, I don't know sure, if that that's makes sense. why they were yeah, doing that. Of course. But... Well, this is a San Diego Comic Con, Comic Con item, though. Well, San Diego, San Diego is it's got sand in there, so it gets everywhere. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does get over. It looks cool, like this Vader thing. I just don't know why it exists. Um, I mean, it's kind of neat to see this weird-looking thing, but it is the thing that's odd to me, though, is like the the uh, left arm and the right leg are both yellow, or mm-hmm. or the right arm and the right leg are both orange. I can't really tell on my screen, but I don't know why there's no green or you know what's wrong with green. Uh, green milk, you know. I mean, his lightsaber's green. Is like, any, like a green deal kind of thing? You'd I don't like to see more could green. Be, is, yeah, is that what it you're could saying? be related to that. I don't know. I never thought of Darth Vader as being much of an ecologist. Uh, he he more lays waste to planets, but it might be a nice. Thing. Yeah, well, he's he's taking care of population control. If you think about it, he's getting rid of a lot of people, kind of like Thanos. Right. I I guess like Peta or Greenpeace could take him up as their mascot then for like keeping population low. You know. He's doing a lot yeah, for uh, I mean, he's, ecology. He's reducing and... the carbon footprint of the galaxy. <laughs> there you I mean, go. that is that is a noble cause, <laughs> if you ask me. Yes, yes. Finally, somebody gets it, you know. But no, I don't want a rainbow Darth Vader. I'm sorry. I, I can live without that. Um. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't know if I'll buy it, but if somebody gave it to me, I guess I would send it on to Darth Eckham there. Um, the interesting uh, story for me, though, was the uh, Jedi history book, Secrets of the Jedi, 
Um, have you looked at the screenshots uh, from that book, T? No, I have not, but I was intrigued to hear that it was from when he's not just some little farm boy. It's when he's a Jedi, like he said, like his father before him. So that's like, I, you know, I always call that like badass Luke. That's when Luke was right. like the most badass. It's sort of like memoirs of a forgotten Jedi, you know. I mean, it's he's talking in first person in the book, and it's very like nostalgic, I guess. For lack of a better is word. Is it like a diary? Because I hate those. It is. It is kind of like a diary almost, it seems like. Dear diary, today yeah. I moved this rock 20 meters. But it's not really right a jet, like a, a diary in the sense that like it's more like Luke captioning photos, I think, of the Jedi Order. <laughs> so it's like Facebook? <laughs> kind of. It's, I don't know. Like Maybe it's just the introductory. I don't know how big this book is going to be, right? I mean, is, it, is he going to write about every little character who like was a part of the... The movies? I mean, Luke Skywalker is writing about Coyote Mundi. I mean, what what the heck does he know about Coyote Mundi? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, that's that's a good point. He he only has the the point of reference from whatever Obi Wan taught him, and Obi Wan wasn't around long enough to teach him very much. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. Other than how to turn to a pile of clothes, how to become laundry. Oh, watch this! I'm gonna become laundry, kid. <laughs> I think part of it that I don't really like about this is they haven't really captured Luke's voice in this because it just sounds – it does sound more like, hey, this is what Star Wars is, like like a, like a Wikipedia entry. It says, like, while I was training a new generation in the old ways, the New Republic was facing a far too familiar threat. A faction known as the First Order was taking form under the influence of Supreme Leader Snoke. You know, like it just seems like they just inserted Luke into the just facts based on some cut and paste garbage from some fan site, to be honest. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe Luke is a terrible writer. I mean, you right, know, right. he didn't have much of an upbringing. He didn't even have the opportunity to, to pass like English one one ten like at the university academy. Right, because he uh, got scooped up by the rebels. Right. He, he, he's a swamp rat. He's a he's like a redneck of the of the of the galaxy. He's like a redneck. He would go around shooting swamp rats for fun and picking up batteries. I'm gonna get me a big old battery and shoot me some swamp rats. Woohoo! What kind of uh, uh, you know, his, historical tomes could he be writing? Yeah. Well, has, I mean, how did Luke even learn to read and write? I mean, on Tatooine, they I don't think that Aunt Aunt Beru really had the time to homeschool him. I mean. And there weren't any, like, modular uh, Coursera uh, uh, classes that he could have taken. Keyword goober, by the way. Um, so, yeah, it's it's mystifying to me that Luke even is literate. Well, no, no, no. I, I, no I, I do have to interrupt you, though. I have to interrupt you there. Because he does say that he was talking about going to the academy. So I will say that he probably has some education. They're not complete, you know. Morons. Well, if you accept the uh, Star Wars uh, original radio uh, drama as canon, which I don't think you actually can do that anymore, but if you if you were to do that, there is a scene where Luke like excitedly visits his friends at Tashi Station with like some letter of acceptance that he was able to read. So, uh, you know, I guess <laughs> <laughs> like his friends in Nethico, <laughs> I'm gonna read you this letter. I'm gonna read you a letter now on the radio. You got to get to the academy. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like so, yeah, Squidbillies. <laughs> all right. right. <laughs> oh my well, god. This book, I ha- I don't know. I'm not really sh- convinced. Like all the images have this really dumb, like shadow kind of effect that looks like really cheap, like Photoshop kind of stuff, and. I mean, so it's up to our standards, is what you're saying. It it almost looks like, yeah, I guess, but I mean, it just 
it has the look of like what you might find in like the introduction to like a board game instructional manual or something like that. I can't believe this is oh. the actual book that they've come up with. It it just it has a pop up in it. I heard him say that a pop up hologram. Yeah, so th- this looks like it's more to be like geared at children. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking as I'm looking at this. Like, I mean, this this is kind of like to try to get the younger generation involved somehow. I mean. Yeah. In politics, because it sounded boring as hell to me when you were reading uh, the new order will be taking over the first order and the new the, the resistance and the, 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 the galactic senate will make a motion to have Jar Jar Binks make a motion to have his feet cleaned today. <laughs> and then we'll it's read like, about it from it's Luke's like, perspective. It's a real kids book. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. So you got okay, okay. So I was right. It is only thirty-two pages. Well, one of the one of the keywords here on Amazon is insight kids. So yeah, I mean, this is just some garbage mm. cash grab merchandising for uh, people who <laughs> just emergent emergent literacy here is the the genre here. I think for this Star Wars uh, book. No, my youngling is eleven. So do you think he would enjoy that, or do you think he'd be yes. bored with it in five minutes? I think he'd read it once. I think he'd enjoy it. And then oh, he'd, okay. Uh, okay. you know, throw it into the the annals of his bookcase and never think of it again. This is a, maybe a quick aside, but sure. I read this book to my kid, Darth Vader and Son. It's by this guy, Jeffrey Brown. Oh, I've seen that. I read it to him when he was a lot younger. We're starting to watch Star Wars, and when Empire Strikes Back, when he finally watched it, I looked over at him for that big moment, and there was none. Yeah. And I said... Well, what what happened? And he said, "Well, you told me that he was the father <laughs> when you read me that book, so mm-hmm. you knew that Darth Vader was his father the whole time." And I felt like I ruined Star Wars for my kid. I deliberately did not buy that book for my nephew so that I wouldn't ruin Star Wars. And um, a couple of months ago, uh, I bought this series of I think it's eight books that have each page connects to a button on this controller, and you push. It's all based on the uh, original trilogy. And you push the okay. you push the button and it reads each page of each book. I think each book is okay. like sixteen pages, but like there are certain parts where it gives like specific specific spoilers about Darth Vader being Luke's father. And so my four year old nephew, uh. like he just begged me to read him these books. And so every time we went through the book, whenever it came to like a spoiler like that, I would like cough really loud or like put my hand right. over the speaker because <laughs> like he couldn't read it anyway. So like he never he still doesn't know. I don't think that Luke is uh, uh, Darth Vader's son, but. Yeah, we'll see when I, he actually that was watches the thing. it. I read it to him like when he was really young, so I was hoping that he would forget by the time we started watching, but he didn't. He, he does it was not. One of those things no. that he just did not forget, nope. and he was like, yeah, I knew that all along, like the whole time. I was like, <laughs> damn, <laughs> I completely ruined Star Wars for my son. And awesome the rest job, of his Dad. life. He's going to be selling death sticks in a cantina on Coruscant <laughs> in, in 15 years. <laughs> Right. So, Tell me about it. Yeah, he's be like, so anyway, why? Yeah, so. Why? What? What led you down this dark path? You know, my daddy ruined Star Wars. <laughs> so you'll have, you'll live a life of guilt. Yeah. You you'll actually end up buying the death sticks from him. You know, as the coping coping. You'll be like, <laughs> you'll be like his biggest. Uh, he's like such a bad drug dealer. Only his dad will buy the drugs from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the least I can do. I ruined his life. Gotta support his habit. <laughs> it's terrible. Terrible. Teeb, it's time for uh, 
It's time for the Fake-A-Meter. Are you ready? This is a very special edition of the Fake-A-Meter because we actually have two leaks that we're going to run through the Fake-A-Meter. So this this leak, uh, both of these come to us from fakingstarwars.net. And so this leak comes from uh, Carl S. Bod. Uh, uh, he's supposedly a member of the reshoots crew that has just recently uh, wrapped up. So be careful. There are spoilers. Um, so if you are listening and don't want to be spoiled, the Empire has been building um, on the edge of the galaxy where I guess the rules of physics are kind of wonky. Kylo wants to go there because the Knights of Ren have reported a threat in that area. And Ray somehow learns of this as well um, through like long distance telepathy. I guess that the mind melding between Ray and um, Kylo has not gone away. And so there's a race. So a race to see who gets there first. So if uh, episode eight was sort of a slow race, this is sounding like it might be a fast race. And Ray is just intent on keeping Kylo from fulfilling his evil plan of exploring uh, the threat. I, I don't know what that evil plan is exactly. But um, so what happens is, are you ready for this? Because this is when things get really, really weird. Oh, of course. Always. So C-3PO's red arm starts drawing coordinates on its own, sort of like it's possessed, like on its own from like ancient data, locked off, I guess, from some unknown programming. And, and um, so this data is unlocked somehow by combining C-3PO's memory with R2-D2's databanks. I guess they're somehow compatible, and their personalities themselves merge. Okay. And so then... Their personalities merge? Yes. The arms and the head? I guess. I, I don't know. Their consciousnesses? I, I don't know. So part of this then is like this ancient... Uh, this ancient droid somehow then through this takes over C-3PO's body just spewing like exposition and basically this helps like lead the heroes into this final confrontation where uh, they join forces with Kylo to fight the Sith um, because what happens then I guess is that Darth Bane then arrives uh, via time travel somehow uh, and it is ruin rumored also that Brie Larson is the one playing Darth Bane Okay, question. Where is Palpatine? Um, he's tweeting, of course. Um, that is not mentioned in this article. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe he's just involved in, like, the time travel component. Maybe he builds the time machine that gets Darth Bane back. Uh, I really couldn't tell you. Okay, so Darth Bane is... Is that usually a woman? I, I didn't think so. I thought Bane was a, a, a male, but maybe... Maybe not for this. Maybe. Uh... Well, I thought Bane is the one that cracks Batman's back in half or something. Oh, right. Yes. So Darth Bane. Yeah. Really original. Darth Bane is going to be Brie Larson, and she's going to try to stop them from getting whatever element this is at the edge of the universe. Mm -hmm. And for some inexplicable reason, Kylo Ren is going to work against the Sith to help Rey who is trying to stop Kylo. Well, I think in the end they realize how terrible the uh, threat is, and then Kylo's heart sort of turns and, and they work together. Well, here's a second leak. Um, this one is a little bit more specific. First off, right out of the gates, Rey is Han and Leia's daughter. Now, that's what I originally thought, actually, in The uh, Force Awakens. Um, but it turns out that Luke saw this kind of force power in Rey as a child and then left Kylo's training unfinished which led to Kylo's hatred towards Rey and then Luke causing the destruction of a new Jedi temple 
Kylo doesn't want Ray to know who she is. Um, and that's the reason why he lied saying that his parent, her parents were drunken nobodies. Um, it is unclear how Ray does not know this. I guess her memory has been wiped somehow. Um, I think that, um, it's highly unlikely that she is Han's daughter because Han made no, um, indication that he recognized her as his daughter at all. Um, Kylo didn't seem to recognize her at all. Hmm, hmm. I mean, there's a scene when Han is hiring her to to be on the Millennium Falcon. Yes, where he just kind of like looks at her like, "Who is this kid?" Yeah, like like he looks at her like, "Why does she seem to know like all this stuff about the Falcon? She can talk to Chewie. She, you know, has a British accent. <laughs> yeah, you know, things of that nature." Um, but he's he's very intrigued now if that was his daughter he would have played that scene differently i think and harrison ford's a good actor so i don't buy any of this crap probably I mean, probably this theory well let's stick him in the fake meter and see what we get here uh we have Im- implemented the fake meter with some double new d batteries to give it like that little edge um I've n- we've never had to pump so much power into it uh here with these two leaks at the same time but let's see what we get um I hear it whirring. And I hope it breaks. Yeah, I hope it breaks. Well, maybe it will, Teeb. You'll have your wish. Um, here's the result. Forget the leaks. The leaks are bupkis. I got them out of a Cracker Jack box. The leaks are in you, Lone Star. They're in you. So... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. See? Bupkis. Yeah, the leaks are bupkis. <laughs> well, thank you, Mel Brooks. And uh, if you're out there and curious for more, you can find those articles on fakingstarwars.net. Do all of the face. Do all of the fakes. It's time for... Duel of the Fakes. Yes. Yes. So excited. I cannot contain my excitement. I know. I know. We we couldn't do a Spaceballs episode without a Duel of the Fakes. That is true, Duper. But it does make me wonder whether the inevitable sequel will be a prequel or, God help me, a reboot. My inner yogurt tells me it'll be whichever can make more money. <laughs> In that case, we might get a Spaceball Cinematic Universe, and maybe that's why it's taken Mel Brooks so long to announce anything. You're right. He could have 22 movies across five different phases all planned out by now. Well, all i got to say is the Schwartz had better be female. I'm not sure the Schwartz has a gender, Teeb. Typical white male. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Fine, fine, fine. The Schwartz can be female. Now let's get on with our duel already. Here's how it works. I'll read three Spaceballs-related news stories, which should all be fake, but there is one true story hiding among the fakes. It is your job to smoke out the fake fake. Teeb, got it? Let's do this. (laughs) May the Schwartz be with you. Here's the first story. Actor, writer, producer, director, fashion icon... Jonah Hill is in talks with MGM to finally bring Spaceballs back onto the big screen. Hill's newly formed production company, JHF, 
uh, hopes to acquire the rights to the classic satire and begin production on a sequel in 2020 with Mel Brooks serving as a special advisor. I'd never want to do it without Mel's blessing, said Hill, a huge fan of the original Spaceballs, who counts it among the films that inspired him to become a comedic actor. Jonah Hill, the guy from uh, the uh, Wolf of Wall Street and the Jump Street movies? Yeah. That's pretty weird. I know. Who knew, right? So, uh, on to the second story that should be fake but might be true. Rick Moranis, a.k.a. Dark Helmet, was recently approached by Disney. Oh, can I just say, by the way, that Rick Moranis is awesome. He's just, like, a fantastic human being. He's one of my favorite Canadians. Yeah. Definitely. You hoser. Um, Was recently approached by Disney for a cameo role in their upcoming reboot of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, starring Josh Gad. Uh, If you recall, Morana starred in the much-beloved original film about a scientist who accidentally shrinks his kids Um, in his treehouse or garage, right? I mean, like, he's out in his, like, basement garage or something when he does it. Like, um, He's in his garage. He's in his garage, and then um, then they end up in the, the... The lawn, right. which is like the backyard, and it's like a jungle for them. So, unfortunately, Moran has passed on the opportunity for the same reason he passed on a cameo role in the recent all-female Ghostbusters reboot. I hope it's terrific. I enjoy Josh Gad, but it makes no sense for me to do one day of shooting for something I did 30 years ago, said Moranis. Sadly, I guess if that's true, he's not going to be in that uh, that Spaceballs sequel with Jonah Hill. Well, if that is true. Assuming that's right. real news. And last but not least, a final Spaceballs story that might be a lying, stinking, good-for-nothing true story just pretending to be fake. Uh, recently, Antonio Brown, do you know who he is, T? He's um, he does in the sports balls. Yeah, so Antonio Brown, he's in the sports balls. <laughs> uh, Antonio Brown of the <laughs> Oakland Raiders, National Football League, uh, we're talking here. Ooh. Yeah, caught, And by the way, I think they're moving to Las Vegas soon, so... Um, Anyway, uh, Antonio Brown of the Oakland Raiders caused a stir when he threatened to walk away from football if the NFL did not let him play with his favorite football helmet. The problem stemmed from the fact that the specific headwear in question is no longer certified by the league because it's over 10 years old. So... Brown took things into his own hands. This is fantastic. According to teammates, the wide receiver showed up to off-season training wearing a slightly modified version of his old helmet in an attempt to pass it off as a new one. The fake helmet's colors were off, and the dimensions were also not to scale. This helmet-gate fiasco launched a wave of memes across NFL Twitter with several people comparing uh, Antonio Brown to Dark Helmet from Spaceballs. Dark helmet on the Raiders. Uh, I guess it's kind of poetic in a way. I guess if it's true, he's my kind of scum. <laughs> I thought anybody was your kind of scum, Teeb. So let's recap. Uh, remember, one of these Spaceball stories is a terrible true story. But which one is it? Jonah Hill in talks to secure the rights to Spaceballs. Rick Moranis passing on his role in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids reboot. Or Antonio Brown from the Raiders being compared to Dark Helmet for spray painting an old helmet to look like an NFL-approved version. What do you think, Teeb? Without a doubt, without <laughs> any hesitation, the truth is the Antonio Brown. Really? Why are you so confident? Um, let's just say a little porg told me. Huh. 
Huh. You're usually not so confident, which leads me to believe that you possibly have been hooked in by some deceptive uh, scripting of the Duel of the Fakes this week by uh, Willie Bobo himself, who, as you know, he is very good at manipulating your mind. Yeah. Are you going to tell me that I'm wrong right now? Is I'm just giving the me? opportunity. I don't want to tell you. I don't want to give you any hints either. So I just want to, you know, you're usually a little bit more methodical about your decisions. So that's true. Let me let me let me walk uh-huh. through it then. I happen to know the Antonio Brown story partly. I see. Because of the Twitters. So I know that Antonio Brown definitely said he was going to not play if he wasn't able to wear his helmet or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the dark helmet likeness, and I don't know if he wore something similar to that. But knowing how the <laughs> internet is and knowing that it's a raider, I can totally see people doing that. Right. And making a big thing out of it, especially because this is a Spaceballs episode. I could see that we would have picked up on that because the whole time I was like, why are you telling me about this sports ball nonsense that I don't care about? What does this have to do with Star Mm -hmm. Wars or Spaceballs? So the Jonah Hill thing, let's talk about the Jonah Hill thing. Okay. I I wouldn't be at all surprised because I I would imagine that he would be a fan. And I could imagine that Spaceballs would have had a big influence on him maybe he wanted to be a comedian. However, he's very young. He's a youngling right. in Hollywood. So for him to have been exposed to space balls, I don't know if that would have been the thing that really influenced his uh, decision to get into comedy. I feel like that's a bit of a stretch, so I'm going to eliminate that one. Okay. Um, and 2020, if, if there was something coming out in 2020 or even starting um, principal photography in 2020, first space balls to it would have already been on my radar okay. because we are giant space balls nerds mm-hmm. in this household. So I'm going to eliminate the Jonah Hill story. We'll see the Rick Moranis story. I know for a fact that he does not want to act ever again. Um, he did. So that do sounds like recently, that one would be true then. Well, he, yeah, he did do an, um, a kind of a voiceover work for the Goldbergs. Right. Maybe on ABC where they did a Spaceballs episode, and Adam Goldberg pretty much begged him to be on the show. And you're not 100% sure if it was him or not, but I I tend to believe that it was him based on the marketing that they put towards it for the Goldbergs. Mm -hmm. So for him to be in a cameo reboot, what was the cameo reboot for? Uh, For Ghostbusters, the one with all the women Ghostbusters. No, for he was going to be in something with Josh Gad. Oh, oh, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, yeah. Um, eh, I feel like that's one of those things when you're an actor, the, there's certain roles that you have that you don't want to ever kind of let somebody else take the, 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 the thunder for that. Mm. So I can see him actually not wanting to be a cameo in the re- reboot of that movie, that franchise that right. he probably enjoyed quite a bit. I, I'm sure he has nothing but love for Josh Gad. You're saying uh, that one is true then? I don't know because I haven't heard anything about this Honey, I Shrunk the Kids reboot at all. It's not on my radar at all. I've been hearing all sorts. I heard that they're going to be doing the Aristocats live action for Disney today. I, I heard think that. it's just a matter of flooding. Heard... You, 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 know, you, you, you hear so many things about so many reboots that you just it, it slipped through your radar possibly. Your radar was jammed. That is possible. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Raspberry. <laughs> raspberry. There's only one man who would dare give me the raspberry. 
Lone Star. I don't know. I mean, I know Rick Moranis doesn't want to act anymore, right. and I know he's turned down a lot of requests. That's for sure. So, so what's it going to be? And maybe okay. Now I'm now I'm seeing that maybe Willie Bobo has tried to trick me with the Antonio Brown story because there's a lot of truth to it, but it doesn't have anything to do with Dark Helmet. He has done that before. So I appreciate. You know. I know. I guess I'm going to change my answer then, which I don't usually do. Oh, wow. I'm going to change it to the Rick Moranis. Are story. you really? Okay. I'd say Rick Moranis is the fake fake. Ah. Now you will know that the fake will always triumph because truth is dumb. I'm sorry. Uh, the third story about Antonio Brown is the true story. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> You tricked I, me. I did a little bit. Son of a. It was for dramatic such. effect. You totally tricked me. <laughs> it was just all for dr- dramatic effect. <laughs> uh, well, it yeah, works because that. you talked me out of my right you, answer. See, I always go with my. Gut. You have a steely exterior, T, but inside you're just a soft, yielding, uh, squishy little Ewok, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just a weak-minded fool. Apparently. Dink, 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 dink. <laughs> Uh, I love I love deceiving oh, you man. out of the uh, the correct answer in Duel of the Fakes. By the way, it's one of my uh, it, you know it's <laughs> it's like my lot in life to deceive Teed. <laughs> uh, well, mission accomplished, I guess. Good job. Anyway, uh, there are some really funny memes of Antonio Brown wearing the helmet from Spaceballs Dark Helmet. Uh, if you want to look it up, so that's a true story. But that's what you said that he said. So isn't that? Oh, that is true. Yeah, oh, that's right. Sorry, that's Never the mind. true story, my man. <laughs> you got me all confused right now. <laughs> I was right. Do all of the face. Do all of the face. to WLFL tonight for an episode of The Younglings and the Restless that you can't wait to see. Dr. Nala Say reveals the results of last season's shocking Sith hanger, as you'll finally learn the identity of Baru Lars and Obi-Wan's secret love child. Just this once, you'll want to raise your expectations. Right after Gates of Naboo, starring Daphne Zillica. Faking Star Wars Listener Mail. Okay, well, team, we asked the Twitterverse, and they responded in kind. That sound uh, means it was time for Listener Mail. Um, sent out a tweet earlier this week, uh, you know, and the response was overwhelming, as it always is. Uh, basically, we asked the Twitterverse to write in with their favorite Star Wars comedy moments. I wasn't very specific. Um, I said, I'm surrounded by assholes. Uh, we're going to be discussing space balls. We need your help. So hit us up with your favorite c- moments of comedy. Um we got some that were from the Star Wars uh, saga, uh, some that were from external properties, but I think you're going to be delighted by this top ten list. So, um, I'm rarely delighted. Well, would you like to start with number ten? Sure, I'll read number ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, came to us from Papa Bear. That's the Twitter handle, Bear underscore E. Yes. 
and they said ESB. I guess that's Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Presumably. Empire Strikes Back. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Through take it easy, kid. Luke's reaction to the kiss, especially knowing what he doesn't know at that point. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then Han and Leia going back and forth. Great scene. Yeah, it's so a, Hoth, pretty much. All the is... stuff on Hoth was hilarious. I like the part when they cut open the uh, the Tauntaun and and he says, and I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. On the outside. <laughs> you got to do the long, you know, the long pause. Yeah, you need that long pause. Right. Yeah. They, you know, that movie is replete with little uh, humorous moments. I mean, can we forget even uh, the only the only incident I can remember of uh, sci-fi um, projectile projectile vomiting of R two D two when he falls in the uh, Dagobah swamp. Uh, and actually, a little in fact, the dialogue for that scene was changed with the uh, special editions. It used to be, um, you're lucky you don't taste very good. And it was changed bizarrely uh, to, you're lucky you got out of there. Um, don't know what the re- meaning for the change was. I thought the original line was perfect. Uh, it captured the feeling of desperation and, and just like sullen attitude of this like post-teenager. Wait, but... they changed that line? Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you go back and listen to the uh, the special edition, Luke says, and I'm not even sure if it's the 1997 special uh, edition or if it's later, but Luke, Luke now says, uh, you're lucky you got out of there. And he used to no, say... No, the only way I know it is, you're lucky you don't taste very good. That's right. I, that's well, the way I've always known it. That's the original line, but but George Lucas and his infinite wisdom uh, changed what was a fantastic line of dialogue to something completely saccharine and devoid of any midichlorians whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. All right, I'll read number nine as well. Oh, okay. So number, number nine uh, came to us from There Is Another, and that is there underscore is another. And he says he or she or it or whatever, it doesn't matter. I love that Poe Dameron referred to Hux as General Hugs in The Last Jedi. I know, I know. This means I'm not a real Star Wars fan if I like The Last Jedi. You'll just have to force choke me to death then. And we will. We absolutely will. Uh, That's interesting because I actually didn't realize that's what he says because um, it's very difficult to discern that aspirated velar um, stop uh, that's unvoiced, uh, especially when it's in proximate to another sonorant consonant. Um, But in this case, yeah, it is actually hugs that he's saying if you listen carefully. Um, But I had to go back and listen after I heard about this. So that that was a joke that was a little bit lost on me the first time I saw The Last Jedi seven times in the first 20 for hours of its release yeah and it's it's also funny that you know say what you want about general hugs but at least he informs his troops about what he's doing <laughs> right. what his plans are yeah yeah that generally is a good tactic as a military uh, leader or tactician to inform your troops of their uh, the mission so uh number six uh sorry number eight rather number comes eight. to us from uh link vox a million himself uh, second in command at faking star wars.net and he wrote, we need more Poe Mama jokes. So uh, as a special treat, uh, just for you, just today, Teeb, I have a few Poe Mama jokes for you. Let's listen. Your mama's so dumb, she got hit by a parked X-Wing. Bo! <laughs> <laughs> Your mama's so old, yeah. Yoda dated her in high school. Bo! Best pilot in the galaxy over here. <laughs> it's like a... Uh, Yo mama, so stupid, she stared at a cup of blue milk for 12 hours because it said concentrate. Bo! Oh, that's a cup of blue milk. There you go. Yo mama, so dumb, 
She thought a TIE fighter was a shirt without a collar. Whoa! BB-8, you get that one? <laughs> Your mama's so hairy. Wookiees hunt her for her coat. Whoa! Chewbacca got nothing oh, for love for you. Whoa! Your mama's so slow. Light speed only gets her to regular speed. Oh my. Wow, that's a fat shaming joke. Speed shaming joke, I guess. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't know Willie Bobo was actually John Leguizamo in, in disguise, but uh, those are all courtesy of Willie Bobo. Um, <laughs> so, anyway. Those are fantastic. Those yeah. are just, I mean, that that is definitely worth uh, number eight slot there. Absolutely. I'll read number seven, too. Uh, this comes to us from Steve Ricketts, who's at ROC Stephen 74, Stephen with a PH, who writes, Return of the Jedi... Luke Han and Chewie about to be roasted for an Ewok dinner. Luke walks C-3PO through talking them out of the situation before using the Force to levitate him. Hilarious scene. That is a really good scene. I remember I saw that when I was a kid, and I thought it was really funny. Like, they think he's a some kind of a god. That was, like, really funny to me. Yeah. That thing. And then he's, like, uh, and Han is all, like, pissed off because he just wants to shoot all these little, you know, koala bears. I remember, <laughs> like, Luke when I like, first no, saw let's that not movie. Do that. <laughs> well, like, when I first saw that movie, I thought when Luke closed his eyes, it was actually a sign of just exasperation at, like, Han's behavior, trying to <laughs> blow out that fiery um, torch underneath him. But really, he was getting ready to use the Force. <laughs> So. Yes. You thought he had to fart really bad or something? You're like, oh, he's just like giving up. He's right, like, I'm right. I'm fart right now. And actually <laughs> that takes us right into uh, number six, which uh, comes ah. to us from Willie Bobo himself, uh, who says, that time snap Wexley's nuptials. This could have been number one, by the way. Uh, that time snap Wexley's nuptials turned into a rip-roaring fart fest thanks to the crackling pudding. What is going on here with the crackling pudding, Teeb? Um, who is Snap Wexley? So Snap is like a X-Wing pilot in The Force Awakens who does some reconnaissance. He's kind of a bit tubby, and he has a goatee. Okay. He's Grimberger. Okay. Uh, what's his name? His real name, I don't remember, but he's Grimberger. Groom, oh, okay. Groom, Groom, Grimberg something? He, Grimberger? There, there's Fart Fest in The Force Awakens? I don't remember that. Yeah, so apparently there was a, a novel that was released where uh, they're at Snap Wexley and Kare Kuhn's marriage – and, I mean, some of the dialogue is just amazing. Uh, so, um, do you, Snap Wexley, take Kari Kun to be your wife, managing to get the whole sentence out that time? Snap was not so lucky. Uh, he began, and what followed was a four-alarm fart that lasted longer than the ceremony itself had thus far. <laughs> a wave of laughter washed over the crowd, and then again when Kare, in disbelief, yelled at her soon-to-be husband, and then let out a deep, meteoric toot herself. She slapped both hands over her face, completely embarrassed, as Snap, Poe, and everyone else just let their laughter rain. So I guess uh, there was this thing called crackling pudding, which uh, apparently some of the people ate at the wedding and caused everybody to emit massive flatulence on a galactic level. I see here it says something about Mattis stood beside Joe, who emitted a high-pitched weeeeeet! <laughs> <laughs> How is this in Star Wars canon? And that's what I was going to say. Farts, and, are and we in can't Star get Wars? the original Star Wars trilogy, but we can get this. Um, 
<laughs> I was about to say, I definitely don't remember this in any of the movies. There's definitely no farting in the movies. It's not a Mel Brooks movie. Hey, that's not true, actually. Uh, Jar Jar Binks farts on, and, and experiences farts uh, from the uh, the whoopie or whatever that creature is on <laughs> Phantom right. yeah, and on true. Tatooine who farts right. right in his face, I might add. That's a triple X-rated <laughs> fart. <laughs> So it's not the first time. Oh, so that is true. Yeah. Well, I mean, a non-Gungan scene. I mean, I mean, the, all the Gungan scenes are kind of ridiculous, obviously. That's but true. there's never like you know, Admiral Holdo's not like holding on to a fart. You know what I mean? Like she's not like I'm gonna go, <laughs> I'm gonna go rip through this. Uh, I'm gonna That's go rip through why this she crashed, Imperial uh... Destroyer. Like I'm gonna rip through my underpants right now. With this ripper. That's, That's why she wore I a mean, dress wee! so that it couldn't get stuck in her military <laughs> cargo pants. You know. Oh, seriously. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. There a, needs more more farts in Star Wars. I think that's a good point. We should have more farts in Star Wars. I mean, you might as well at this point after the Last Jedi. It's a big fart fest. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for reminding us of that one. So, aren't we on number five now? It says Sylvester Binks. That one Gungan is his handle, and we've uh, spoken to him before. He said, there's so many funny Jar Jar moments in The Phantom Menace, but I always laugh out loud when Jar Jar steps into poo-doo on Tatooine. That's right. Not only do we have fart humor, we also have poop humor. So, Poo-doo. That is true. And then he pisses off the Doug. Yeah, right. Sabulba. So number four was actually a voicemail message left in our main offices in Topeka, Kansas. Um, this comes to us uh, from Herbert H.J. Uh, Williams, let me uh, let me play the message here. Leave a message at the beep, but don't be a message monster hogging on my tape. Hello, Stormtrooper. It's me, Herbert. Uh, when Moe slaps Curly or Larry, it always makes me chortle. Uh, oh, wait, uh, as you said, in Star Wars. Well, in that case, I would have to choose when William Shatner kisses that lizard. <laughs> Laugh out loud. That's what the kids say to their phone programs, right? <laughs> you can, can you add a picture to this? Um, and he sent us like a poorly drawn image of William Shatner kissing this creature that has like a plastic lizard mask. Um, so, I believe that is referred to as a Gorn. Is it? But he does have a lovely scarf in the drawings. So, Herbert, drawing. if you're out there listening, um, so when you send a tweet, everyone can read it. So just make sure that when you write a tweet, it's something you want everyone in the whole world to see. Uh, I did hear that Herbert recently uh, used some of the money that he's gotten for uh, sweeping up around the studios to start his first Twitter account. Ah, uh, well, I heard he created a Twitter account to try to find Jocasta New, try to get get with her. Ah, well. He thinks she's on Twitter. I'm not going <laughs> to tell him I, that she's I don't not. think he's going to do very well since Jocasta is a fictional character, but let's let, let's not let him lose hope because we can use that to manipulate him forever. Um, yeah, definitely. Poor best. Poor guy. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know. So you got one for number three from yourself, right? Yeah, I mean, when you think about Star Wars comedy – I think about Spaceballs, obviously. This is a Spaceballs episode, so I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up my favorite bit from Spaceballs when I first saw it was the bit where he's like, I'm your uncle's nephew's brother's cousin's <laughs> former college roommate. And he's like, well, what does that make us? And he says, absolutely nothing. I mean, the first time I saw that, it was hilarious. It was it's not good. as funny every single time I see it, obviously. But the first time I saw it, and they showed that in the, in the, uh, the preview, and it was really funny. I mean, I just remember thinking that's really 
really brilliant because you know empire strikes back and they're picking making fun of the fact that like everybody's related to everybody of course. and there's all this big interconnection and blah, and it's like no nope, you're just nothing you're absolutely nothing i just <laughs> I think just rick really moranis funny. really committed to that role though i mean he had to have been just sithing himself laughing like at some of the stuff he had to say and do uh like to be yes. to be on that desert planet in that giant like safari helmet i mean oh God, so absurd yeah. but like that he, helmet was great he just held it together like a hundred percent like complete commit conviction and commitment to the role which i really appreciate i wish some of yeah, our uh, other co-hosts uh, on faking star wars radio would view their job with such a sacred duty I'm not thinking of any of our robotic robotic uh, compatriots, but you know. Seriously, and I stink out loud. You're here. You're here. No, I'm not talking about you. I I didn't want to mention anything, but you know, IG69 is out cavorting around uh, with you know who knows uh, who, um, and we're just I you know I just hope that he's happy where he is. Well, I'm sure he'll be around. I mean, you know, it, as long as you, you just have to find people for him to kill, and then he'll he'll find a way to get back on. As long I as think. it serves him on his time, huh? Exactly. Typical assassin droid. Um, exactly. All right. Well, how about number two, Teeb? Uh, number two is when the stormtroopers fry Luke's aunt and uncle to a crispy skeletal crisp outside of Luke's desert hovel. Because, you know, Star Wars is obviously for kids. <laughs> right, right. That's I always... mean, the first time I saw Star Wars, I didn't even notice that. Uh-huh. I really didn't. I just remember noticing the, like, the, the charred remains of the house. Yeah. I never noticed the, the, the people. It's sort of a WTF moment because, yeah, I, I agree. I didn't really notice it until maybe bigger screens came about, like HD screens even. Yes, um, like, that was when I noticed it. The first time I saw it on something much more, uh, like, I don't know. Because, again, when I saw it in the theaters as a kid, I just wasn't focusing on that or whatever. And then, again, when you see it at home and it's, like, on HD or I don't even remember when I first noticed it. But I remember it was when I was a lot older. And I was like, oh, damn, the, that's charred remains of people right it's there. <laughs> really really graphic especially for a pg movie yes. and i just i think it's ironic you know and that's why it's funny because i mean disney has been trying to even remove like limbs getting chopped off in star wars movies from its video games oh my god and so yeah i mean but it is always weird to think about star wars being for kids it's not really for kids like adults it's for us when we were kids this is the thing kids in the 80s we're not little dandies that were afraid of everything <laughs> and wouldn't go out without helmets on. And, or eat you know, peanuts. we didn't have to have a trigger warning every damn time we opened up the damn door. So we – and this is what I tell people. And I, and I understand, actually, kids – kids, um, like, uh, about my, my son's age are getting are, – are, are not liking Star Wars. I think what's happening is their parents like Star Wars. Mm. And you know how it is when you're – parents like something when you're a kid it's not cool and you're like this this is this not cool right so star wars is becoming very uncool with the kids right now mm -hmm. so star wars is not made for the kids star wars is made for us when we were kids and now we are now adult kids yes and so so it's still being made for us as a generation exactly right? We're all man babies, according to Rian Johnson or Ryan or Roan or whatever the hell his name is. He's Ryan yeah, he, Wilson. he's got some weird ones. I don't know. He he thinks he's funny, uh, but I don't actually think his humor was the best part of the Last Jedi. I mean, it some moments really didn't work. Uh, some were okay, but 
yeah. as a general rule, if you're trying to be funny, then you're going to fail. You know. I think for me, and you can read my review uh, that I recommend that's on this other site called Film Grouch. If you read that, never review, heard of it. Would never go to it. Sounds like the sounds like the voice of a charlatan to me. <laughs> but that critic has said that he was he really appreciated everything in the Last Jedi the way that it was handled because you go into a movie and you're so expecting things to play out a certain way and then when they don't it it, it became it became hysterical right and but then after after a while when you real when you realize this is like your childhood and this is like a franchise that you have loved in your entire life it starts to piss you off. It starts to make you realize that, you know what, that wasn't the right place for that kind of moment. It's like, do that on your own time. Don't do that with Star Wars. And I and I think that was um, kind of lost on that critic the first time that they watched it. But as they watched it more and more, they realized that it's definitely one of the, the weakest of the franchise, of the of the Skywalker franchise, definitely. I thought the script was one of the better ones, uh, but in the execution was was what was good. But it just it's not that much of a Star Wars movie. It really isn't. Um, it's a great story uh, for what it is, but it doesn't really fit into the galaxy. It's a weird square peg in a in a circular. Um, galaxy, I think, in that way, and 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 whether that was intentional or not, you know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, you work on a film for three years, and and the what what it becomes after what it became, you know, in the beginning stages, it changes so much. It's it's hard to blame any one particular person for the way the Last Jedi turned out. I think I don't blame Ryan Johnson for the fact that it just it didn't work with a majority of vocal uh, Twitter fans. Um, I I talked to a lot of people that loved it. You know, I. I would say for me, I like it less and less, you know, as it goes along. Yes, exactly. Um, Every time I've watched it, it has made me more and more agitated. Right. <laughs> like I, because, and this is the thing, because the first time I saw it, what made it cool was the the fact that he flipped everything, like what I was expecting. And then I'm like, oh, oh, he totally, oh, 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 he didn't do that. Oh, he didn't. Yeah. Like when they go to the, they go to the, the Canto Bite and the whole like 25 minutes of the movie is basically a waste of time because it doesn't work. And it's like, oh, it didn't work. And then like the whole thing with, um, you know, uh, just, just the, the, the milking the freaking Achto, whatever the hell those things are called. The sirens? Um, oh, that, that was great. Yeah, sirens, I loved that. The, I laughed my butt off the first time, but now as I've watched it, I'm like, that's Luke Skywalker right there, buddy. That's Luke Skywalker. Well, I appreciated that because it's like thing. it's like Luke is like sort of John the Baptist now, you know, like he's gone into the wilderness. Oh, I get it. And I that's an it. archetype. I think it worked for me in that way because he sort of got that Obi Wan Kenobi esque sort of thing. I think, and the other, I think the main problem for me with the Last Jedi is that there was so much to like about it. And that's what's so frustrating. It's like there was such a brilliantly written script. Um, the characters really had interesting arcs in terms of the subtext about failure being the predominant theme. I thought that was very bold and interesting. Um, and it wasn't like exciting in the action-y sense. I mean, there is the Fathier race, which was probably the weakest part of the film. But um, for the most part, it was very subtle. You know, a lot of arguing, a lot of discussion, a lot of, you know, characters not getting what they wanted. Um a lot to like uh, some great sh scenes like when uh, the spaceship is, is launched into Snoke's ship you have like three plots all coming together the lightsaber is destroyed the ships collide and um, the stormtrooper tries to cut off uh, Rose Tico's neck unfortunately he failed but um, you know there is so <laughs> much going on there at once it's really dense it's beautiful but 
the problem is that this is not really a Star Wars movie. I mean, it just doesn't feel like Star Wars in, in terms of some of the tonal choices and some of the weird little kind of shifts that happen. It, it just felt like someone else's movie, you know? Mm. It was brick in space. I don't know. Brick, Yeah, just... it was kind of brick in space. That's a good analogy for it. It's weird. It's like a weird take on Star Wars. I don't know what Disney expected. I mean, Ryan Johnson is a weird director. Like, I think he's a great director, but maybe not Star Wars director. All I know is I have not watched it at home, and I own it. Really? I haven't watched it at all. Yeah, give it another try. Get liquored up and see what you think another time. Give it another chance. But but I agree with you that it hasn't aged as well as I had hoped when I first saw it. So, Well, I'll go as far as to say that it's the best Star Wars parody ever made. Well, uh, you know, one thing interesting about Ryan Johnson that I respect of him was he he did a lot of homages in The Last Jedi to other things about Star Wars. And one subtle one that fans may not have picked up on is the scene when they're on Starkiller, sorry, Snoke's ship, not Starkiller base. And there's that um, that iron coming down and pressing Uh clothing. Well, that actually brings us Uh into number one on our list, because that's an homage to the first Star Wars parody ever, which came out in 1977 called Hardware Wars which did involve toasters and irons uh, in space, which, you know, is still today one of the best parodies ever made. Um, you've got Ham. Who's What was his name? Ham. Ham uh, uh, Salad. Ham Salad, yeah, and Fluke Starbucker. Uh, you know, it is hilarious. Have you watched it recently? This is a kid. This is, this is, a, this is a family-friendly um, podcast. Please watch your language. Uh no, uh, yeah, I watched it in 1978. Augie Bendoggy. <laughs> the best is the Wookiee monster who looks exactly like Cookie Monster, except he's brown, so he's like the Poodoo monster. So that kind of pure spoof it really has my grabs my heart. I just love that kind of stuff. So um well, yeah, my favorite scene in that is when she's talking about please don't blow up the planet basketball. We're peaceful people. <laughs> And it's literally a basketball. <laughs> it's like they did the like most low rent kind of uh, <laughs> like like it's insane how ridiculous. So was that? It, it was an eight thousand dollar budget, and it made a million dollars. Think about but that's the an amazing amount of money to spend dollars. at that time, nineteen seventy seven. I mean, eight thousand dollars on a spoof thirteen minute film. Like thirteen minutes. How did it make any money? I mean, where was it being shown? Like. It must have been shown in um, like uh, art houses and stuff like that, colleges and huh, yeah, and all that kind of it's stuff. It's a different world back then. I mean, they didn't have any other way of distributing it, I guess. Then, so it's considered to be the most profitable short film of all time. Wow, wow. Its profit ratio is much better than Star Wars, actually. Oh well, wow. sometimes you get that with small films that take off somehow, right? Because they spend so little and then it blows up. I think Blair Witch is probably on that list. They spent like forty grand and it made like a bazillion dollars, right? As well. Yeah, Blair Witch. That that was one of those like you know lightning striking moonshots. Cool. Well, thanks for uh, all your contributions out there in the Twitterverse, and we look forward to hearing again from you. Okay. Well, um, you know, Teeb, it's been it's been a long time that we've been talking about doing this episode, really about um, space balls, uh, and I'm excited because I know that it has a special place in your heart. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your interest in space balls, how you came to it, and why we're doing this episode at all? Well, yeah, Spaceballs, uh, as you said, is is definitely near and dear to me. Um, for my wedding uh, to my wife, 
my lovely wife, we uh, we wanted originally to do like a complete Spaceballs themed wedding, but to pull that off, like you were gonna, to she like, was gonna like re- leave the wedding ceremony with a gold droid grabbing her by the the veil or something, like being skated out, like. Well, yeah, we were going to actually launch a Mercedes into space. That was our original intent. <laughs> but we just didn't have the funds to, to, you know. We did put it on our wish list uh, for people to, like, you know, help us, like, a GoFundMe to get the Mercedes into space. But first, uh-huh. we'd have to get a Mercedes. Um, we would have to build a droid. You're going um, to hire Joan Rivers to show up yeah, dressed in, like, a gold tin can? She's, say, she, she was hey, dead if we got to get married. <laughs> yeah, she was dead at the time, so we could get Melissa Rivers. But, I mean, we were like, eh, do you really want Melissa Rivers at your wedding? No, we didn't really want that. But, yeah, so we, we definitely have a, a lot of love for Spaceballs. We, uh, like I said, I dressed Great. as Prince Lone Star. I had a friend of mine from college who actually is a cosplayer. She designs... Um, costumes and things like that. Even when we were in college, she used to do all the the costumes for the plays. Hmm, hmm. And um, she used to design my Halloween costume. So I figured she's up in Col- in Colorado actually. But I was like, hey, you know, I would really like to have this jacket for my wedding. And very cool. She uh, made this really awesome jacket. And then um, we actually uh, went online and found there's uh, somebody, one of the Etsy's, they sold the medallion. So I could be a real prince. Oh yeah, and what does it actually say? That what language is that? It's uh, Schwartzies. Hmm. Schwartz Schwartzies, I believe. I never took a real close look at that uh, script there, but I wondered if uh, Mel Brooks might have just done something in Hebrew just to troll everybody. I don't think it was Hebrew. I have it around here somewhere, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I'd have to take a look at it, but I don't think it's Hebrew. It almost looks like runes, like wit, uh, like Nordic. Oh, if I had to like guess. based on some kind of Viking script of some kind. Yeah, it's probably just a bunch of nonsense. Knowing Mel Brooks, I right? Mean, he, that makes sense. He, he didn't think any, He didn't know that the internet would exist in years, and that nerds would be all like, oh, "I need to know what this says. What does this say?" <laughs> you know, it's like he's probably like, "God, what a bunch of nerds, man!" I just made uh-huh. up a bunch of scratches on a piece of metal and told him to make something weird, you know, that people wouldn't be able to decipher. Or maybe he's a genius level. Um, code maker and Mm -hmm. it actually is the key code to get into the nsa that could be who knows you never know which would be really interesting like if if he was like trolling the entire world like look now i could be wrong about this and the code is one two three four five (laughs) yeah exactly there you go one two three four five you totally got it now Uh, the nsa is gonna have to change that code right Amazing. That's the same code as on my luggage. <laughs> that is not the, the the combination on my luggage. I will let you know. My matched luggage. Your matched royal, luggage. Yeah, oh. my royal princess, royal highness's matched luggage. Oh, gosh. Well, I remember it. I, I didn't see it when it first came out, but uh, people would talk about it at school and such, and I, I, I watched it finally. I wasn't really allowed to watch it at first because it had some bad, naughty language in it, and Mama and A Papa... Lot. Mom and Papa Duper always monitored my media consumption fairly strictly. So uh, mm. when I finally did see it, I was just overjoyed. I mean, it was the movie I wanted to be in, right? I I made a million movies just like that when I was growing up. I mean. Where are these movies? Why are they not all over the YouTubes? 
Oh, we are in a process of, uh, you know, um, filtering them out. They're all lodged somewhere on a, a hard drive, uh, you know, to be sorted through eventually. But some of those moments would probably get me thrown in jail by today's standards. So, uh, yeah, I have to be careful You're what I put out there. You're a rotten kid. I mean, I, I, like, <laughs> I like my job as a faker here at Faking Star Wars Radio, but I don't want to be uh, apprehended for my views on certain things that would come to light when I was like a 10-year-old. So, you know. <laughs> what were you into when you were 10? You were like, oh, everything, everything. <laughs> like, oh, what? I mean, can you imagine what – give a 10-year-old a movie were camera. Were like a raging racist when you were 10 years old? <laughs> no, but like, I mean, some of the most ridiculous things you could possibly imagine, like which by today's standards would never, ever be allowed or permitted in the age of like social media because it would trigger somebody, so. Oh, my God. Everything triggers everybody. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like they're – they're okay, uh, never mind. That's we're, that's a whole different discussion for a different time. Well, like, but, I mean, I appreciate yeah. the fact that we want to keep people safe and happy. I mean, I think that's a good – that's a virtue. Like, people should be safe and happy. That's a great – great thing for um an empire to aspire to uh you know and uh, an empire <laughs> yeah i mean like look at anakin i mean he he's gonna he's gonna create an empire of justice for for everybody where everyone will be happy so um but i do think that we run the risk sometimes if we take ourselves too seriously um and that's why i love the way that mel brooks kind of introduced uh this movie because he was aware of how much people love star wars and and he had done already some great parodies and 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 blazing saddles you know uh history of the world i think came out before space balls i mean he he didn't have any reason to make this movie other than he wanted to do it um and he said one of the quotes I just love, I was watching recently a documentary about him, and he said, you cannot spoof something that you do not love. And mm. and that really rings true, I think. And in today's climate of social media where people are, you know, just grilled uh, for, for saying offensive things sometimes in, in maybe a way that they didn't intend. Like I know uh, people get all the time, they get fired for making jokes. Uh, and mm. I, I think I think Mel Brooks has something to say to that, you know. Well, he actually he actually said that looking back on it, he would have cut out a lot of the Jewish jokes mm-hmm, Be- mm-hmm. because he feels not. I don't think so much because he's worried about it offending Jewish people. I think he's right. more like upset that it's been embraced by people that are anti-Semitic. It has <laughs> you know, the he does it like effects. it's kind of like I'm one. I'm one of these people. I can get away with making this joke. But right, right. you better not make a joke about it because it's not cool for you to do it kind of thing. That makes sense. But, I can see why. But, I mean, as a kid, I, to me, as a kid growing up, again, in the 80s, every, everybody was, was fair game. Make fun of everybody. But come on, like, I mean, that line when, like, uh, Dot Matrix walks into Yogurt's temple and she's like, well, it isn't Temple Beth Israel. I mean, that's just golden. Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, even I, if you aren't I, Jewish, like, you have a Jewish friend who you've been to their bar mitzvah and their temple and you know what she's talking about. And I just, I think it's just so, it's such an appropriate joke, like, given Mel Brooks's voice. And it would be, yes. it would be offensive not to make that joke because it would mean that he, we weren't safe. You know, it wasn't a safe environment to make those kinds of right. jokes. That would be offensive to me not making the joke. Right, and that's what I love about parody. That's, I mean, that's what I love about, like, what we do. We, you can, if you, like you said, if you love something, and we obviously all love Star Wars. If you love something, you can really, you know, um, have a good, have a good sense of humor about it and not, 
lose that love for that thing, you know? Yeah. And, and I think, a... I don't know if Mel Brooks is like a giant Star Wars fan, but I guess... He says he is. Said, he says he loves be. Star Wars and Star Trek, and he likes, you know, he really loved those movies. So hmm. I, I think he was. I mean, to know the movies so well, I mean, they actually did get a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, things right about Star Wars in, in creating that movie. I mean, they had a couple of years uh, to get the special effects right, but also, like, the narrative and everything. I mean, it it feels like Star Wars. Does it really? Does Spaceballs feel like Star Wars? I think it does. I mean, of course it's exaggerated, but, yeah, in essence it does. It's interesting because, I you know, I just rewatched it again tonight before the podcast to make sure I would uh, be able to speak about it. Mm-hmm. And there's not very many direct quotes from Star Wars. And if you think about a parody, like, a, like, and that's my point. It's not, to me, it's not so much a parody of Star Wars as it is just a parody of space movies in general. Like a spoof of sci-fi movies in general. Not sci-fi, but specifically space. Now, okay. they do have that thing with Alien at the end, with uh, John Hurt. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that that's scene, totally right out of Alien. And I they had bring never the guy from Alien, Alien in it. He's the only actor from a space movie uh-huh. that is in that movie. Who's actually in the, That's not true. That's not true because uh, who who plays the president in, uh, in uh, Independence Day? Well, Bill Pullman. Bill yeah. Pullman. Yeah. That's, that's not until years later, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you said he's the only one. <laughs> He's, He's the only one movie. in a space movie <laughs> when the movie came out in the 80s. <laughs> Sorry, Teve. It's my delight to prove you wrong at every possible moment. I understand. That scene, by the way, this... that scene scared the absolute crap out of me when I was a kid because I had never seen Alien. That one? Oh, yeah. Like when the alien comes yeah. out because, I, I mean, yeah. I didn't know what alien was. I had heard it was terrifying. But, oh, man, did it give me nightmares. Oh, you mean the alien, not Independence Day. You're talking about alien. So you're talking about the space ball scene when yes. it jumps out of his chest in that the diner. You? you know, I'll have what he. I'll change my order to the soup. <laughs> you know that scene. Oh, damn. Like when the alien pops out, it actually is a young young uh, faker. It scared the the Jesus out of me. Yeah. I think I had heard from my friends, and this is the funny thing: I had never seen Alien. Neither had I. And Aliens hadn't come out yet. It was getting ready to come out in a couple of years after that. Um, right. But an. I had heard about Alien from my my cooler friends that were allowed to watch movies like that, right? Mm. So when I when I watched Spaceballs, I remember being like, "Oh damn!" Like it, it 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 did kind of like, "Whoa!" Like that's pretty out there. But then when he puts the little hat on, <laughs> oh, right, right, you know, you're like immediately not afraid anymore because he goes. <sighs> And then all of a sudden he puts a little hat on and you're like, oh, okay. Speak for yourself, Teeb. That was the part that offended me. It was like his fashion sensibilities. I just, that little tiny top hat just didn't work for him. And I, I thought he should have had something more like a sombrero. And a bit, I wanted like a mariachi song. And it just, it, it, it didn't appeal to my aesthetic. And it gave me horrorful, horrific nightmares for weeks after that. Really? Because I always thought it was supposed to be a take on the Warner Brothers frog, where you know he's he you know he sings and dances, and then when he brings him out to show everybody, he just flops and he doesn't do anything. Right, I mean, right. You've seen that, I'm sure. Yeah. God. Well, anyway, a couple of things though that I want to follow up with on you. I mean, you're talking. Okay. You said that this film did not uh, really um, 
mimic or reproduce dialogue uh, from Star Wars that much. Um, but there's another thing that I, I think is interesting. Um, little known fact, by the way, the post-production work on Spaceballs was done by, do you know what studio? I do. Yeah. Industrial Light and Magic. ILM. So, like, even then, yes. there's a very tight connection between Spaceballs and Star Wars. But something else that – this is more of a personal theory. Now, mm-hmm. can you think of a part in a Star Wars movie that reminds you of Spaceballs? Let's go the other way. Because I have two very clear examples, and I'm curious to see what you think. Um, There's – when they're going to disable the tractor beam – it's similar to that when they're going to disable Mega Maid and the uh Okay, but that's I mean that's more Spaceballs imitating Star Wars, right? Right, so you're saying Star Wars imitating Spaceballs. Yes. Can you give me are you talking about new Star Wars movies? Uh yes I am actually. Oh god. Um Here, let me see if this cues you up at all. All right. Hands up. You're under arrest for illegal parking. Uh, that was in The Last Jedi. Wasn't it? Hey. Yeah, that's right. It was The Last Jedi because he's like, I'm going to turn you in for illegal parking. Exactly. That's true. And, you know, he landed on Canto Bite. Now, I mean, I'm yes. not I'm not saying that Ryan Johnson stole that from Spaceballs, but they're per- fairly similar. You did mention Hardware Wars with the Iron, and I didn't even – I remember yeah, watching that another, Iron another and being point. like, oh, what is that? That's yep. cool. And then you see it's an Iron, and I remember laughing out loud and being like, that's so stupid. So that, it's like... that example of the illegal parking is a little nugget. Like, I mean, if they did steal that, fair play, you know. But there's one more that's so glaringly obvious to me. Like, they completely ripped this off from Spaceballs that I'm surprised people don't talk about it more. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to know because I'm I, I'm always looking for an actual connection to Star Wars and Spaceballs because there really isn't. So the entire final conflict in Rogue One centers around what trying to get into the planet the, through the airlock. Like trying to get where? Trying to oh, get onto the planet. Oh, oh the no, okay, 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 okay. Yes, I do remember that when you see the um, the Imperial uh, destroyer. And you see the planet with that, like the the air shield. Yeah, it does look exactly like that. And the, right. but the whole concept of a planet having a like a gated like a gated community, <laughs> you know, um, like where you, you can you can like open the door to like the people that are safe and then keep the keep the death stick stealers out. Like that entire idea was 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 uh, invented by Mel Brooks and Spaceballs. Um. I don't know. I don't know. There's been um, force fields before. Force fields, yes, but not like planetary gates that like open and shut, and then that becomes like the critical part of the plot, right? I mean, the whole thing in Rogue One was how can we get into the gate? That's what caused right. the space battle, and that's how they like got onto the planet, right? Like, yeah, that's a good point. I think Rogue One definitely. Um, I would. I wouldn't venture as far to say that you know they ripped off space balls. That's for sure. But that I think that was an homage, maybe to Spaceballs, which was interesting because that movie was super dark. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. No levity in it at all. Right, right. I can't remember one moment in that movie where I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, not one." It was pretty intense. <laughs> I was just like, "Whoa, this is dark as hell." Yeah. Well, anyway, um, 
What do you think about the future of space balls? I mean, uh, I've heard that they weren't allowed to do any merchandising because of legal rights, of mm-hmm. course. But a lot of people for years and years have been calling on Mel Brooks to make the final long-awaited sequel, Spaceballs 2, The Search for More Money. I would... Well, I happen to know Adam Goldberg actually does have some merchandise from Spaceballs. Really? Yes, from the Goldbergs. Yes, he does. How did he come across uh, that? That was part of his when they were doing that special episode. I think he begged Mel Brooks on bended knee. I don't know. But he, he got him wow. to get... And that's the thing. As long as you don't like sell it or whatever. I think it, because it was a gift. Okay, but like it was probably something created actually on set. Like it was like right. a prop. There's never been that anything a... that you could buy in like a retail store. Right, right. I think it was the dolls. I'd have to look. I'd have to go and do a little bit more research and stuff like that but you can look it up internet nerds and see if i'm lying i might be lying but um yeah speaking of lying your helmet's so big (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think it's the dolls Ah. um but i uh not rainbow dolls though who would you who would you cast as like the 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 son or daughter of um uh what's her name uh the actress who played princess vespa um Daphne Zeniga. Daphne Zeniga and Bill Pullman's, like, you know, future Schwarz-wielding son or daughter. Who 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 do you think would be a good fit as an actor or actress for that role in a Spaceballs well, 2 movie? Okay, comedic actresses. Emma Stone. Emma Stone could do it, yeah. And comedic actors. I think Jonah Hill would be a good barf kid. He'd be, he'd be good, like, John Candy replacement. How about, like, sure. Tenacious D? You know, um, Jack Black. Jack Black, yeah. Eh, he could be like the sidekick, maybe. Yeah, so I said he'd be like a barf. He'd be like, or he could be puke, right? Or right, because that's what uh, that's what uh, Pizza the Hut, barf, puke, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so you could have, they could be, he could be puke instead of Luke. Barf, puke, puke um, whatever. Ugh, so good. Oh, that is something from Star Wars. I take it back. Pizza the Hut. Pizza Hut. Pizza the Hut is the only thing from Star Wars. Like clearly, clearly from Star Jabba Wars. Jabba the Hut. Yes. Right. Right. Well, and the thing about you're my cousin. That's well, and the it. Schwartz and yogurt. I mean, that's a pretty on the nose assertion that you know. And Lone Star. I mean, Han Solo. There's a lot of very specific references. I guess. I. I just. I don't know. It's not like a direct Star Wars parody to me though beat for you know beat. what I mean like his like a normal parody is is kind of like Hardware Wars Hardware Wars was like 100% a parody of Star Wars yes you know what I mean that's what I'm talking about yeah I this, do this... Yeah. no of course I mean a, a parody a true parody just reinvents the entire movie and and yeah I mean this is different I mean the whole air thing searching for air right. the wedding he's a prince you know royalty and and there is there's other elements of Star Trek and and, and other movies that you mentioned too but um you know I I would love to see it done because I think that genre uh you know you had sort of the golden age of spoof and parody with movies like Airplane and The Naked mm-hmm. Gun uh Hot Shots uh, and then Steve but Carell, see, I've never seen I never saw Airport which is what Airplane is supposedly or oh, I'm right not either. Isn't Airplane a parody of Airport Right I've never seen like, that either with Leslie Nielsen and Leslie Nielsen is in the original movie and he it's a very dramatic serious role okay. and it's about like this airplane that is going to crash because the everybody's it's basically the same plot as Airplane but it's a complete spoof Okay 
So it's a direct thing. And I think with, again, with Spaceballs, other than the, the kind of, like you just mentioned, I guess the, I guess they have the Jawas. Now that I think about it, I guess there's a lot of Star Wars direct things. But there, it's to me, though, it's not, like I said, it's not a direct parody in the sense of, it's almost like usually when you do a parody, you do like a shot for shot and you and you make fun of like each scene, right? Right. You know what I'm talking about? And he didn't really do that. And he made it kind of more subtle, which I think actually made it a much better movie than it would have been if it was a direct shot for shot. Let's make this scene funny. Let's make this scene funny. Let's. He's like, let's make a completely different story, something that nobody's ever done, where they're stealing air. That's never yeah. been like, yeah, they're gonna run out of air. I mean, that like you said, that's that's an original idea. So, and again, that's Mel Brooks. He's he's gonna do original stuff. He likes to to make things his own thing. He doesn't want to just do like a shot for shot parody. That's never been his his uh, shtick. Well, the uh, the whole genre of parody, you know, has has been suffering. I think in the internet era of uh, of content delivery um, for a while. I mean, I can only think of one a parody. Uh, satire show at all in the last 10 years which is uh you know steve carell's angie trebecca which if you ever watched it it was a great show it was written really well it was super fast paced uh rashida jones was fantastic in it um it was compelling too it was it was really interesting uh but there hasn't been anything like that since like police squad or um you know uh naked gun or anything so I appreciate it just just for the fact that it's sort of lone voice in the desert. Um, you know, we we need more of that kind of stuff. I think in in today's society, anyway. Uh, otherwise, we're all just going to be crazy watching Office reruns. It's really actually it's quite hard to write. Uh, you know, I think that's why we are the only and best um, faking Star Wars you know parody uh, show up, out there in the internet about Star Wars too, because what we do is incredibly difficult. I mean. That's why it takes people like us with our talent level because other people are just very trepidatious about even approaching the uh, the genre because they're just too scared and, and honestly wimpy. No, I agree. So. And we are the best, and uh, you know all imitators shall be taken out by IG69, which maybe that's what he's doing right now. Yeah. No comment. Uh, very likely, very likely. Okay, Teeb, it's time for a Twitter poll. This one comes to us from William Bobo uh, at Faking Star Wars on Twitter, who writes uh, for this poll, which is the better Twilight fan fiction? And only two choices for this one, Teeb. Uh, Star Wars sequel trilogy or... The Fifty Shades trilogy. So, ah, well. What do you think I is mean, the better Twilight fan fiction? The, the Fifty Shades trilogy. So we'll have to say the Star Wars. Uh, have you seen the Fifty Shades trilogy? I have. I've seen all of it. I watch it um several times. I watch it in every room of the house. You have it on like permanent uh, replay on your like wall screen or whatever. Yes, I actually have seventeen monitors in the house, and it's continuously on. A loop. Is it as educational as I've heard? Uh, it depends on what you're trying to teach yourself. If you're trying to teach yourself to, uh, you know, uh, manipulate dumb women, then yeah, <laughs> it's, it's very, very informative. Amazing, amazing. And so between that and the Star Wars sequel trilogy, I guess which one best approximates the genre of Twilight? Well, there are sparkling people. 
there's sparkling foxes in uh, the Last Jedi, so that's true. Maybe, maybe they're vampire foxes. The the vampires sort of glitter, right, in uh, Twilight. Yeah, maybe that's what happened. Maybe the Twilight vampires were actually just normal um, resistance people, and they got bit by the the sparkling foxes, and then they got somehow sent to time and space and now they are on earth and they are in oregon um, <laughs> having sex with teenagers so if star wars was twilight i mean ray obviously would be um what's her name the main actress then so then there's the two guys so finn and kylo like who would be who ah finn and kylo okay well obviously kylo would have to be uh edward and then uh finn would have to be the dog oh right okay okay jacob Jacob, is that it? I think so, yeah. I don't have that on a loop. I have the Fifty Shades on a loop because I much prefer the fan fiction of Twilight than the Twilight itself. Right. Definitely. I'm going to go with Fifty Shades just because I I think that it probably was based on it. Oh, it was definitely based on it. That's what what, uh, supposedly that's what Fifty Shades was written for. It's like a, a more adult version of of uh, Twilight. So it'll be interesting though, to see if the rise of Skywalker has any Twilight like tie-ins. Cause uh, I'm sure that you could make a case that all of the sequel movies so far definitely have Twilight tie-ins as long as you, and, <clears throat> and I keep saying this, I keep waiting for them to just land on the planet earth, but and then they wouldn't be able to keep that crawl title where it says a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, unless they introduce time travel, which is very possible. And then if they introduce time travel, then you could definitely have Twilight um, become part of the Star Wars universe. I mean, that is obviously the next logical step in the evolution of terrible movies. Amazing, amazing. And then you could do a parody of it. Mel Brooks could do the spoof of it. Yeah, I just hope he makes it really heavy-handed and obvious that he's making a parody of every single scene. Otherwise, people like me won't realize that, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, Twilight Star Wars tie-ins for that parody. I don't know. Well, the answer was Star Wars sequel trilogy with 79% of the votes. So um, we may 79%. we may yet get a Star Wars parody of Twilight sequel trilogy a la Star Wars. So I don't know. Like I said, it, it all depends on if anything will ever take place on Earth. And if that does, how that will be received by people. Yes. I don't think it will be received well, personally. Cool. Well, Teeb the Schwartz was with us. Uh, tell the listeners where they can find us in the future. As always, you can follow Faking Star Wars on Twitter at Instagram at Faking Star Wars and on Facebook at Real Faking Star Wars. And if you uh, want to f- uh, submit a question for us on Twitter, please use the hashtag FSW Radio. We'll be happy to read it. And again, you can get on to our uh, t-shirt store, which is bit.ly slash FSW Merch. That's bit.ly slash FSW Merch. We have tons of amazing t-shirts on there uh, ready for your consumption. And... Um, you can uh, get these official T-shirts by going to the site and purchasing them with uh, Space Bucks. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Storm Duper. Ah, I thought you were at Duper Storm. I used to be, but I changed it a few months ago because uh, people thought that Duper Storm sounded a bit too a bit too much like a hurricane, and I didn't want to make fun of anybody who's been affected by the hurricane season this last year. 
Uh, I didn't want to trigger them. Yeah, you don't want to trigger anybody. And you can definitely follow me at uh, T Brontor. That's T E E B R O N T R on Twitter. And we encourage you to follow FSW Radio on Twitter and Instagram. And we are desperate for you to get onto patreon.com slash fakingstarwars and sign up to be a patron. The money goes right into my back pocket so that I can keep paying my internet bills to record this podcast. You not only support us fakers financially to keep making the content that you love, but you will get a fantastic reward. I got it out of a Cracker Jack box. Be like Darth Dark Helmet, who joined us at the Fake Jedi Knight tier. Have you actually written us a review yet? Are you not writing reviews? What are you doing with your life that you're not writing us reviews? Get on your computer, type, 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 <laughs> give us a review. That's all I'm it's saying. My you give us a one-star review, a five-star review. Give us a 3.5-star <laughs> review. See if you can do that. Manage to do that in your... In your you, I know you're so busy, you don't have time to write a review. <laughs> But if you could, that'd be great. If you could go ahead and uh, give us a review on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. And if you write a funny review, we might read it on an upcoming episode because we like funny things. Oh, we're also on Stitcher. We are on Stitcher, which is our podcast platform of choice. Stay tuned to FakingStarWars.net for uh, quality Star Wars comedy, parody, and satire. And spoofs, we should add. And thanks to you and our followers for listening. And may the Schwartz be with you. See you next time. See you next time. Remember, you're nothing to me. <laughs> I've heard your Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gosh. I don't know what I was talking about. There's definitely a lot of references to Star Wars. Yeah, you're you're seriously, man. You are smoking some death sticks tonight. Like, and this is your thing. You you're a Spaceballs fanatic. <laughs> like, you got a lot. <laughs>